It's frustrating to, to try to start an old stubborn lawnmower. If you've been there, you know what I'm talking about. Several optimistic pulls can turn into just pure rage. Um, let's say it's Saturday, all right, and it's time to mow. It's a beautiful day outside. Sun is shining. Sky is blue. The cookout is at 5 o'clock, and you want the lawn to look good, so you're going to put some time in, and you get out your mower, and you pull the starter, nothing. You pull it again, nothing. You adjust the choke, nothing. You push that little bulb, the primer bulb, nothing. So, uh, so you're now sweating, you're angry, and your shoulder hurts. And uh, you're not sure what to do. You check the spark plug, you check the oil, you run certain diagnostics on this thing, you, you even kick it, thinking that that might do something or maybe wound it in some way, and nothing. So you stand there with your hands on your hip with this dazed and confused look on your face until it dawns on you, I didn't put gas in it. It won't work unless it has gas. You need good, clean fuel. Life can be frustrating. Can we all just be honest about that? Life can be really frustrating and it can be really hard to figure out. So often we... Uh, have problems and have trouble figuring ourselves out, let alone the problems outside of ourselves and figuring that out. So many tired and frustrated people try all kinds of things to assess and fix their problems, but they overlook the most obvious problem in their life. They have no gas in their engine. And what I mean is they don't have the Holy Spirit living in them and giving them the power that they need. They may accomplish a lot of things, but never any eternal things, never any God things, and often they work themselves into exhaustion and confusion, or maybe simply just meaninglessness. The Holy Spirit of God is practical power. The Holy Spirit of God is practical power. He not only helps us discern our problems, but he helps us work through them. We will fail without the Holy Spirit. Francis Chan, who authored the, the book on the Holy Spirit there, wrote another book called The Forgotten God, and this is what he said. Without him, people operate in their own strength and only accomplish human-sized results. And he's right. Sometimes as Christians, we try to handle things ourselves and we expect good results and are frustrated when we can't handle what only God can handle. We need the Holy Spirit. This is a two-part series, and it will lead us straight into John 14, verse 15, and we'll continue with John. And my hope and my prayer is that you're going to be encouraged by this, strengthened and compelled by the Holy Spirit to expect great things from God and to attempt great things for God. The power of the Holy Spirit working in and through believers is big. It's big, more profound than we know, and I want to help you tap into the power of God in your life. Jesus Christ didn't send his spirit to live in us so we could retreat into a dark and safe corner to suck our thumbs in fear of this big bad world out there. He gave us his spirit so we could engage the world and spread his gospel with power and with courage. 
with the Holy Spirit, we are supernaturally strong. When the United States of America sends out army soldiers, they are armed with considerable firepower. Grenade and rocket launchers, M16s and M14s. When God sends out his church, he arms them with the Holy Spirit. With the Holy Spirit. Now, got to say this at the onset. People have done some very, very strange and weird things and attributed their erratic behavior to the Holy Spirit. Some have laughed and made animal noises uncontrollably. Some have acted drunk. Some have flopped on the ground. Some have prophesied things that never came true. It's understandable to be a little bit gun-shy when we start talking about the Holy Spirit because we've seen and we've heard some really weird stuff. But the Holy Spirit is real, the Holy Spirit is alive, and the Holy Spirit is at work. To borrow from Bono and John 3, interesting combination, he moves in mysterious ways. He moves in mysterious ways. The Holy Spirit is indescribable, is untamable, is awesome in power, and he's ready to help us. And we don't have to flop on the ground. We don't have to speak in tongues or see weird visions. Among all the charismatic chaos, we must be careful not to forget the Holy Spirit and what he can really do what he can really do. Francis Chan believes the Holy Spirit has been largely forgotten. He wrote this, while no evangelical would deny his existence, I'm willing to bet there are millions of churchgoers across America who cannot confidently say they have experienced his presence or action in their lives over the past year, and many of them do not believe they can. That is frightening frightening. Have we forgotten God's Holy Spirit? We can't afford to forget God's Holy Spirit. We can't afford to move him to the side because of weirdness that wasn't done by the Holy Spirit. We can't afford. We need his power. In this two-part series, I'd like to help you answer three simple questions. Number one, who is the Holy Spirit? And that's our topic for today. Number two, what does the Holy Spirit do? What does the Holy Spirit do? And number three, how will the Holy Spirit make a difference in your life? I want to show you the practicality of this. Three things. The better you know the Holy Spirit, the more you will trust him and expect him to work in your life. So let's get to know him a little bit more. Let's dig into the scriptures. And then next week, let's look at what he can do. So this is more about who he is next week, what he can do, and how applicable he is to our lives. So most of our application is next week. Who is the Holy Spirit? Big question. A big Holy Spirit demands a big answer, but we cannot fully comprehend the Spirit's greatness. My preaching this morning and always will fall short of reflecting the full glory of God. I'm just going to fall short of that. The text that I've chosen focus primarily on the person of the Holy Spirit. There's a lot more that could be said, text about God that we could bring in, but I, I want to try to focus this morning on the Holy Spirit, the person of the Holy Spirit. Each point that I make will be far too short, 
and far too incomplete. But they're going to be powerful points, and it's, we're just going to scratch the surface, but I hope to introduce to you something that will be helpful. Listen to this. God is knowable, but far from exhaustively known. God is knowable, but far from exhaustively known. So what do we know about him? Number one, the Holy Spirit is fully God. The Holy Spirit is fully God. Keep in mind this little rhyme. Genesis 1-1 is Father, Spirit, Son. Genesis 1-1 is Father, Spirit, Son. The Holy Spirit was before creation, before any of this, before us. Genesis 1-2 solidifies that. The earth was without form and void, and darkness was over the face of the deep, and the Spirit of God was hovering over the face of the waters. The Spirit of God is eternal, scattered through the Scriptures. The Holy Spirit is referred to as the Spirit of God and the Spirit of Yahweh or the Spirit of the Lord. God even refers to him as my Spirit, Acts 5, verse 34, uh, I'm sorry, verses 3 and 4 is a shocking affirmation of the Holy Spirit's divinity. Ananias and Sapphira, they sold some property and they lied about the amount of the proceeds that they were going to give to the church. They lied and they died. It was very sudden. Before Ananias died, Peter said to him, Ananias, why has Satan filled your heart to lie to the Holy Spirit? And then Peter added, verse 4, you have not lied to men, but to God. The Holy Spirit is God. The Bible affirms the deity of Jesus, and the Holy Spirit is referred to twice as the Spirit of Jesus, and twice as the Spirit of Christ. Paul even said in 2 Corinthians 3, 17 and 18, that the Lord is Spirit. In Isaiah 6, God spoke to Isaiah and then later on in Acts 28, verses 25 through 27, Paul quoted Isaiah 6, 9 and 10, and said, keep in mind that God spoke this to Isaiah. This is what he said, Paul said, the Holy Spirit was right in saying to your fathers through Isaiah the prophet, the Spirit is God. If you believe the biblical assertion that the Holy Spirit is God, then of course we need to worship the Holy Spirit. He is worthy of our worship. We should trust him. We should follow his lead. We should enjoy fellowship with him. He should be an integral part of our lives. We need him. Number two, the Holy Spirit is a person distinct from the Father and the Son. Some would liken the Holy Spirit to the force from Star Wars. Don't do that. That's a really bad analogy. The Holy Spirit is absolutely not a force. The Holy Spirit is a powerful person. The Holy Spirit is a person. There is only one true God and three distinct persons in that one God. The Holy Spirit is the third person of the Trinity. This is mysterious. This is complex for us. But think about this, a God who can be exhaustively known and completely figured out by humanity is no God at all, right? The distinct personhood of the Holy Spirit is a precious truth, which offers us wonderful benefits as we know and relate to the Holy Spirit. Every believer has an intimate relationship with the Holy Spirit. In John 15, Jesus spoke of the Holy Spirit as the helper. 
as the spirit of truth. And then he used what I think is very interesting, a singular masculine pronoun to refer to the spirit. He will bear witness about me. Same thing in John 16, 13, and 14. Jesus believes that the Holy Spirit is a person. A person, not an impersonal force of some sort. In Acts 10, when Peter saw the vision of animals descending in this huge sheet from heaven, verse 19 says that the Spirit spoke to him. So if the Holy Spirit speaks an intelligible message and communicates to another person, a force doesn't communicate, a person does. He is personal. Ephesians 4.30 is interesting. Paul said, do not grieve the Holy Spirit. A force is not grieved. A person is grieved. The Holy Spirit can be grieved. And a lot of next week's sermon, so you have to hang, t uh, hang tight for that, will uncover very personal things about the Holy Spirit and his work that he does. The Holy Spirit is also distinct from the Father and from the Son. At the baptism of Jesus in Matthew 3, we see all three distinct persons of the Trinity acting. In verse 16, Jesus was baptized, and the Holy Spirit descended from heaven. And then in verse 17, God the Father spoke from heaven. So this shows divine distinction. They're all acting separately and in unity all around the person of Jesus Christ. In the famous Great Commission of Matthew 28, Jesus told his disciples to make disciples and to baptize them in the name, which is singular, of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. One name, three distinct persons. There are other great passages we could look at, but I'll mention one more. Ephesians 4, 4 through 6, where Paul said, one Spirit, one Lord, and one God and Father of all. It's amazing. It's amazing. One God. We are monotheists. One God. There is only one true God, yet within that Godhead are three distinct persons, and the Holy Spirit is one of those awesome persons. This will blow your mind. God cannot be comprehended and figured out. He's much bigger than us. He made us. We should not be able to fully get him, but we see this in faith in the scriptures, and so we believe it. The Holy Spirit is personal, and you can have relationship with the Holy Spirit. Your relationship with the Holy Spirit is the most important relationship in your life. More than a spouse, more than your best friend, more than children, more than a boss, more than your church. Number three, the Holy Spirit proceeds from the Father and the Son. There's some uh, really interesting church history behind this. Um, surrounding this point, what's called the Filioqua Clause and we don't need to you know, ponder that for long, but the Nicene Creed of 381 affirmed that the Holy Spirit proceeded from the Father, but then this little clause was added years later, and the Son proceeded from the Father and the Son. And that was, that was added to assert that the Holy Spirit not only proceeds from the Father, but also proceeds from the Son. There was a massive church split over this issue, the Western Roman Catholicism and the Eastern Orthodox split over this issue. Though church history and councils and creeds are important for our faith, our highest and final authority is what? 
God's word. God's word, the Bible. The Bible alone is inspired, not creeds, not any council, not any um, bit of church history. The Bible alone is inspired. Jesus told his disciples in John 14, 16 that he would ask the Father and the Father would give them the Holy Spirit. And in verse 26, that the Holy Spirit would be sent by the Father in his name. Now that's interesting. So the Father and Son are involved in the coming of the Holy Spirit. But in these two verses, the Father sends the Holy Spirit Later in John 15, 26, Jesus told them, but when the helper, that's the Holy Spirit, comes, whom I will send to you from the Father, the Spirit of truth who proceeds from the Father, he will bear witness about me. Here the Holy Spirit is sent by Jesus and proceeds from the Father. In John 16, 7, Jesus said that he would send the Holy Spirit to his disciples. And in John 20, verses, uh, verse 22, Jesus said to the disciples, receive the Holy Spirit. And don't forget that the Holy Spirit is referred to as the Spirit of Christ or the Spirit of Jesus or even the Spirit of his Son. The Spirit proceeds from Father and Son. Consider how much God loves you to send you the power and presence of his Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is a wonderful gift to you from the Father and from the Son. See, we don't have any power to work this life out. We need something from outside of ourselves to come and live through us the power and presence of God so that we can grapple with and not only survive but be victors in the middle of this mess. We can't expect to just work it out on our own. That's what grace is for. The Holy Spirit is grace given to us to empower us so that we can now face this world and not be defeatists and not be down, but work for the glory of God. And we need that Holy Spirit. So, follower of Jesus Christ, you have the Holy Spirit in you. Now walk by the power of that Spirit. Enjoy what God has given you to live in you and to be possessed by you. You have the Holy Spirit as an awesome gift. Enjoy it. Enjoy Him. Number four, the Holy Spirit is God's glory 1 Peter 4.14 says, if you are insulted for the name of Christ, a lot of that going on in the world, followers of Jesus being insulted, you are blessed because the spirit of glory and of God rests upon you. Are you suffering for Jesus' sake? If so, you are blessed because the Holy Spirit is in you, the, the, the spirit of glory and of God the Holy Spirit is the fullness of God's glory. This should create in us an unquenchable thirst to experience the power of the Holy Spirit in our lives. Don't you desire to experience God, the glory of God, through the Holy Spirit more than anything else in your life? What more could there be than to experience the glory of the God who made us? Imagine what the Holy Spirit can show you if you walk with him. Imagine what glory will be revealed for you. Number five, the Holy Spirit is a spirit of holiness. Now that sounds redundant. Thank you, Pastor. Captain Obvious, all right? 
But this is important. The Bible often uh, refers to God's Spirit as the Holy Spirit. The two Greek words are pneuma and hagios. Pneuma is breath, wind, okay? Pneuma can refer to the breath of life or the soul or the spirit that is inside of every person. Hagios refers to holy things, things capable of standing in the presence of an almighty and holy God, things that are morally pure, things that are consecrated or set aside for the purposes of God. So God's spirit is immaterial, pure, and sacred, holy, morally without defect. Romans 1.4 contains the phrase, the spirit of holiness. And it could simply refer to the inner life of the man, Jesus Christ, that he had a spirit of holiness, that his spirit was holy, but it could also refer to God's spirit as the spirit of holiness, which many translators think that it does. Jesus was filled with the Holy Spirit. Holiness is an attribute of God. So when the Holy Spirit works, he works from his holy character. The Holy Spirit, I I want you to hear this. Please pay attention. Tune in. The Holy Spirit can take unholy people and situations and make them holy. He can take the worst of situations where there is no hope and he can redeem them for his glory and make those people and make those circumstances holy, consecrated, morally pure for the glory of God. Call upon him to do that for you. Are you struggling at a deep level with something? Then call upon the Holy Spirit. You've got to show up. You've got to redeem this. You've got to make this holy for your purposes and your glory. Number six, The Holy Spirit is omnipotent. Omni is all-potent, is power, all-powerful. The brilliant and famous preacher A.W. Pink wrote this, quote, we cannot have a right conception of God unless we think of him as all-powerful as well as all-wise. He who cannot do what he will and perform all his pleasure cannot be God. As God has a will to resolve what he deems good, so he has power to execute his will. The Holy Spirit has power to get things done. The Bible overwhelmingly supports the power of the Holy Spirit. When the psalmist was considering all the creatures that God had made, he wrote Psalm 104, verse 30, when you send forth your spirit, they are created and you renew the face of the ground. Job 33, verse 4 says, the Spirit of God has made me. The Holy Spirit was active in creation. Therefore, the universe displays the omnipotence of the Holy Spirit of God. Luke 4, 14 says, Jesus returned in the power of the Spirit to Galilee. Jesus said to his disciples in Acts 1, 8, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. Romans 15, 13 mentions abounding in hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. Paul attributed his success as a preacher of the gospel and as an evangelist to the power of the Holy Spirit. In 1 Corinthians 2, 4, Paul said, in my speech and my message were not implausible words of wisdom, but in demonstration of the Spirit and of power. Dear believer, Dear Christian, dear follower of Jesus, you possess in you 
the power of God. It is not a spirit of weakness. It is not a spirit of incapability. It is a spirit of power. He is power. Remember that as you fight sin. Remember that as you live to obey God. You have the spirit of power inside of you. His power is yours if you walk by the spirit. Tap into his unlimited power by faith. Trust him to do what he says he'll do for you. And I promise you, you'll thrive. You'll thrive. Some of you may be very miserable right now simply because you do not trust God. You don't trust the power of God to work in you, so you're just miserable. You're not joyful. You're not happy. You're not walking in the spirit of, of uh, winning. You're defeated. You're beat down. You're, you're... Trust him. This is a journey of faith. Trust the power of the Holy Spirit. And let me just ask you the question. Does that encourage you? If you're hearing about a powerful spirit that lives in you and you're just like, I can't do it. No, stop that. Stop it. There's a great video. you got to watch it online. It's, uh, what's his name? Bob Newhart. Look up. Bob Newhart, stop it. Hilarious. Hilarious. All right. You need to be encouraged by this, my friends. Number seven, the Holy Spirit is omnipresent, all present. He is everywhere. The Spirit is everywhere. That is not to say that the Holy Spirit is everything, the spirit is distinct from the universe and anything created. So pantheism is totally incorrect. Dr. Robert Raymond wrote, God transcends all spatial limitations and is immediately present in every part of his creation. 1 Kings 8.27 says that even the highest heaven cannot contain God. King David wrote some lyrics. He was a wonderful musician and, and these lyrics capture the Holy Spirit's omnipresence. Listen to these lyrics. Psalm 139, verses 7 through 10. Where shall I go from your spirit? Or where shall I flee from your presence? If I ascend to heaven, you are there. If I make my bed in Sheol, you are there. If I take the wings of the morning and dwell in the uttermost parts of the sea, even there your hand shall lead me and your right hand shall hold me. The Holy Spirit is everywhere and sees everything. Yahweh, or the Lord, implies the Spirit. So listen to this. Proverbs 15.3 says, The eyes of Yahweh, the Lord, which in, implies the Spirit, are in every place, keeping watch on the evil and the good. Jeremiah 23.24 says, Can a man hide himself in secret places so that I cannot see him, declares the Lord? Do I not fill heaven and earth, declares the Lord? Now this should greatly comfort you as a believer. The Holy Spirit is in you and with you wherever you go. You feel alone? Guess who's right there with you? The Holy Spirit. You feel detached from reality and your trust in Christ, but things just, guess who's with you? The Holy Spirit of truth. He is in you. The Holy Spirit is in you and always with you. Unlike Wi-Fi, the Spirit always is accessible and in unlimited supply that you don't even have to pay for. How good is that deal? He goes with us everywhere. At the same time, this same truth should terrify everyone who does not bow the knee to King Jesus. 
as it comforts the believer, the unbeliever should be shaking and quaking in their boots. No one can escape the eyes of the Holy Spirit. You cannot run. You cannot hide. He sees everything because he is everywhere. It is futile for men and women to attempt to hide their sin from an almighty For they are always in full view, everything of the Holy Spirit. So how wonderful and how terrifying all at the same time. The presence of the Holy Spirit. Number eight, the Holy Spirit is omniscient. Omni, all, science, science, knowledge, all knowledge. He knows everything, past, present, future. The Holy Spirit knows all there is to know. And a lot of Bible verses teach God's omniscience, but let's just look at two that pertain directly to the Holy Spirit. Isaiah 40, verses 13 and 14 says this. Who has measured the Spirit of the Lord? Or what man shows him his counsel? Whom did he consult and who made him understand? Who taught him the path of justice and taught him knowledge and showed him the way of understanding? And the anticipated answer is no one. No one. Can the knowledge and understanding of the Spirit be measured somehow? Never. Never. Paul said in 1 Corinthians 2, 10 and 11, that the Spirit of God searches the depths of God and exclusively comprehends the thoughts of God. The Holy Spirit, therefore, knows all that God knows. He knows all that there is to know. Isaiah 11, verse 2, refers to the Holy Spirit as the spirit of wisdom and understanding, the spirit of counsel and might, the spirit of knowledge and the fear of the Lord. Wow. When the Jews opposed Stephen in Acts 6 and eventually stoned him to death, verse 10 says, but they could not withstand the wisdom and the spirit with which he was speaking. Imagine being so filled with the spirit that your enemies who are stoning you to death, they can't even debate with you. They're losing. And that just enrages them even more, and so they kill you because that much wisdom you have by the power of the Holy Spirit. Just think of what the Holy Spirit can teach you. Just think of that. Unlimited knowledge. He know, his knowledge knows no end, and he's there to teach you, to lead you, to say, hey, this is the way to go. There is no better teacher for us. Pray that the Holy Spirit gives you knowledge and understanding of the truth. Number nine, the Holy Spirit is truth. We'll hit this more in John chapters 14 through 16, but listen closely to 1 John 5, verse 6. This is he who came by water and blood, Jesus Christ, not by the water only, but by the water and the blood. And the Spirit is the one who testifies because the Spirit is the truth. The Spirit is the truth. Think about that. The Spirit is the truth. You hungering to know what's true? Hungering to make sense out of things? God have the Spirit who is the truth. Our culture largely rejects absolute truth. Do you agree with that? We just, we all make up truth for ourselves. That's a completely ridiculous and illogical statement to make, but yet so many people embrace that. But we can embrace, because of the Spirit, that absolute truth exists, and it is the Spirit. We can have inside of us absolute truth. I'm not saying we know everything. I'm just saying we contain the Spirit of God, which is absolute truth, and He will lead us into absolute truth if we follow Him by faith right there. 
into truth. People need the truth. They need to know what's real, what's right, what's good, what's beautiful. Don't you want to know what's really beautiful? What our culture says is beautiful, not always beautiful. Sometimes they get it right. And here it is, plain and simple, the spirit is the truth. Politics will not enlighten us. Social programs will not enlighten us. Psychology will not enlighten us. Education, gurus, best-selling authors, sexual freedom, entertainment, luxury, and more and more and more expensive possessions to just feed our own idolatry will not enlighten us because none of these things assess our problems at the deepest need, at the deepest level, rather. Our true enlightenment will come only through the Holy Spirit of truth. Let's face it. We are spiritually gullible people. Are we not? We're spiritually gullible. We need the Holy Spirit to teach us what is true, to guard us against what is false. The Spirit teaches us through God's Word. Many churchgoers are completely it seems like illiterate about what the Bible actually says. They're just like bobbleheads or something. I have no idea what is in this book. And they don't see, they simply don't know the Bible. And so if they don't know his truth, the spirit, it's, it's this weird thing. And they don't see that the word is essential to their everyday life. And that it is through the word of God that the Holy Spirit teaches us and leads us in the truth. We are strengthened by God's word, the Holy Spirit working through his word. If we really want to be discerning and we want things to change in us, we want things to change outside of us, if we truly are interested in that, like I really want things to change because I'm not comfortable where I'm at right now. I don't like the way that things are going inside of my heart. I just struggle with all this sick stuff and outside of me I'm seeing sin just make a waste of people's lives and I'm sick of it. If you really are, we need to take God's word at what it says that the Holy Spirit is the spirit of truth and the spirit of power. We need to take God's word more seriously. We need to take his spirit more seriously. Number 10, the Holy Spirit is sovereign. I love this. If you study John 3 closely, the sovereignty of the Holy Spirit emerges. It is the Holy Spirit that produces the new birth that changes someone's heart, which is necessary to enter into the kingdom of heaven, which is, uh, you know, to get to heaven, you have to have a changed heart that the Holy Spirit does. Jesus used the phrase born of the Spirit because the Holy Spirit is sovereign over regeneration and heart change and the new birth. So with that in mind, listen to what Jesus said in John 3, 8. The wind blows where it wishes, and you hear its sound, but you do not know where it comes from or where it goes. So it is with everyone who is born of the Spirit. And Jesus is playing on words here. The word for wind is, hold on to your hats, pneuma, the same word for Holy Spirit, for spirit. All right? The Spirit is sovereign and moves and works wherever He wants he is not controlled or obligated by anything outside of God. If you are a believer, every day you are helped by a sovereign spirit. A sovereign spirit is there to give you what you need. He will work in and through you because he can. 
because he possesses the power to and because he wants to. When we talk about walking by the Spirit, we must keep in mind that the Spirit is sovereign. Do, do we want a sovereign Holy Spirit guiding our lives? We want to try to make it another way because we think we're better than that sovereign spirit. Number 11, the Holy Spirit is grace. This is a quick one in Hebrews 10, 29. The Holy Spirit is referred to as the spirit of grace. The Greek word is charis, from where we get the names charis or charissa. All right, charis means God's goodwill or his kindness or his favor toward human beings, often referring to his saving grace of his chosen people. So the Spirit gives us amazing grace. Every time you sing amazing grace, you are singing about the Spirit because he is amazing grace. Knowing this should just inflame our affections for the Holy Spirit because he has extended us grace, extends us grace, and will extend us grace far into the future. He is precious grace. Number 12, the Holy Spirit is good. In Nehemiah 9.20, some Levites from Israel, they prayed this, you gave your good spirit to instruct them. God gave Israel a teacher, and that teacher, the best of teachers, was God's good spirit. Psalm 143.10 says, teach me to do your will, for you are my God. Let your good spirit lead me on level ground. You feeling like you're on shaky ground? That things are crumbling under you? Get on the level ground and follow the Holy Spirit on that level ground. The Holy Spirit is good, really, really good. When God gives you his spirit, he gives you something that is really, really good. All that God gives us is good. We should enjoy his blessings, every single one of his blessings. We should enjoy that. But the best thing that God gives us is his good spirit, his good spirit. We can enjoy his good spirit now and forever. There is no limit on his goodness. There is no limit on how much you can enjoy him. The Holy Spirit is an abiding goodness. Number 13 in our last one, the Holy Spirit is pro-Jesus. I like this one. Our church puts a lot of emphasis on Jesus Christ, the person and work of Jesus Christ. We're all about him. Um, that is never, ever, ever to distract from the equal glory that goes to the Father and the Spirit. We are a Trinitarian church. We believe the Father, Son, and the Spirit, all God, all fully God, all equally God, yet three distinct persons as we looked at earlier. But we are pro-Jesus here because God is pro-Jesus. We are pro-Jesus here because the Holy Spirit is pro-Jesus. Whatever the Holy Spirit glorifies, we want to glorify at the same time. What does the Holy Spirit glorify? Speaking about the Holy Spirit, Jesus said in John 16, 14, he will glorify me. I want you to think about that. He will glorify me for he will take what is mine and declare it to you. The Holy Spirit glorifies Jesus. He declares what comes from Jesus. The Holy Spirit is pro-Jesus. 1 John 4, 2 and 3 says, By this you know the Spirit of God. Every spirit that confesses that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is from God. We test spirits by whether they confess Jesus Christ as God incarnate, which is exactly what the Holy Spirit does. The Holy Spirit is pro-Jesus. Now, here's why the Holy Spirit gives you, here's why God gives you the Holy Spirit, so that you can be pro-Jesus too. You have the Holy Spirit so you can be pro-Jesus. Now, behind these 13 points is an infinite Holy Spirit. 
we're just scratching the surface. This does not get at all the Holy Spirit is. But we need to know who the Holy Spirit is as God has revealed him to us in the scriptures and as we have experienced him so that we can know what to expect from him. What should we expect from the Holy Spirit? I mean, should, should there be something going on inside of us? Should he show up and help us out? Yes, he should. So how is he going to do that? And that's what we're going to devote our time to next time, to seeing what this Holy Spirit that we have looked at, what he does for us, what we can expect from him. When the mower is filled with gas, it's amazing the good work that can be done. What the Holy Spirit has accomplished is amazing, and he can actually help us. He can help you. He's got the power to help you in big, 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 big ways. And so we'll look at that next week.